This podcast is brought to you by Square. Your restaurant runs best when everything and everyone works together. Square's integrated point of sale system offers one central place to keep cash flowing, reach more diners, and operate smarter. Square has the trusted restaurant tools and solutions to serve you, your staff, and your customers now and in the future, no matter how your business evolves. The future needs your restaurant. Get there with Square. Learn more at square.com slash audiology. And one. <laughs> Rubber Bandale. There we go. Get the music going. Come on. What are we doing? Come on. Give me my music. There we go. Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to Unfair Sports, where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. I am your host, Jay, with your favorite co-host, Jimmy. We're doing things remote today. Uh, coming to you here on the YouTube as well as wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. While you're here, please like, subscribe, rate us, review us, and give us five stars. You think we deserve it? Give us five anyway. Gift it. So... On today's episode of Unfair Sports, we're going to jump right in to probably the best weekend in NFL history. We'll talk about some of the old stuff that happened the weekend before since we were out and uh, kind of where we've been since we ain't talked to y'all in a bit. <laughs> we'll also talk about some recruiting as we are transitioning into a lot more OU content. Let's talk about this last weekend's recruiting weekend. So, appreciate that. So, we appreciate you joining us here. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. Please like, subscribe, do all that stuff, as well as hit us up on the Unfair Fan Line, 430-901-1906. And uh, leave it your best, strongest opinion and all that jazz. Let Tell Jimmy how bad he is or how great I am. Tell me how great I am uh, and tell Jimmy how bad he is. We just keep Love that me. doubled up. <laughs> so with that, let's get ourselves started. Jim Akus. Uh, Jam Master Jaden Smith. What's going on? <laughs> Too bad. Jaden Smith? Like, where'd that come from? That that Yeah, I heard you had his uh his latest album. Is that true? Um he dropped an album? Yeah, you should know this because you have it. No, no, that, I think that's you actually. But no. I, I'm glad no. that you let me know what you've been I'm actually, uh, no, I've actually never heard of him, so no. Oh, n- never heard of him now. Oh, now nope. we've never heard of him is what nope, never heard of him. gonna say. <laughs> is he I, famous for something? Does he have famous parents? I don't know. Never met the guy. Never met the guy. Never met the guy. Never heard of him. Even though Jimmy has heard of him thoroughly. Well, I'm glad y'all are listening, of course. Uh, once again, thank you. It's been a bit. It's been about a week and a half, two weeks since we've been able to drop a pod. Mm. Me and Jimmy both decided to take a bout with that Rona. We had done a fantastic <laughs> job of avoiding it. And somehow I got it. And then I gave it to him. And so basically for a week and a half, we went down the toilet bowl. My bad, dog. Still want to apologize for that. It's all right. You know, I backed off of suing your ass about a week ago. (laughs) (laughs) I thought to myself, would he sue me? Would he sue me if I gave it to him? And I was like, yeah, he would. But you know what? I'm going to be the bigger person. All right. And I'm not going to sue him for that. Bigger? Yeah, man. It was no no joke. I mean, I know that, you know, both of us were were blessed in the sense that um, we didn't 
end up having to, to go to the hospital or have really severe symptoms, as bad as it sucks, you know, that we didn't get the, the worst of it, like so many of our fellow brothers and sisters and so many right. that we lost. So it was definitely a serious thing. Um, and it was, it was humbling, you know, when you have something like that, that's done what it's done just to the world over the last couple of years, it really does make you thankful for the people that you have. It really does uh, make you remember just how, how fragile life is, that life isn't promised for any of us for the next day. So it definitely did have that positive effect on me as I was battling it. So that's a lot, some of what I was thinking about, you know, as far as just kind of what, what your experience is like, what would you say as far as how it affected you? I mean, to be honest, because I made sure I got myself vaccinated in preparation, knowing that, you know, uh, I do trust the science. The science isn't absolute at all times, mainly because things change constantly. There are a billion cells in your body and my billion cells are different than your billion cells, but at the same time have similar similarities to your billion cells. So because it's so much of a slice of a slice of a slice of a slice genetically down the line, not to get too far into the science piece. I have an understanding that there's going to be some things that it's not binary. So for me, I was cool with, you know, like I said, get vaccinated just in case we prepared. I got my booster around Christmas time. Um, And so for me, it was more, I felt like I had strep throat, which Mm -hmm. because of the way that the temperature has shifted so much, I typically Mm -hmm. get a sinus infection or something of that nature around this time anyway, especially when it's so bad. And it was brutal. I, you know, um, I was only I was down for two days, had, a little, you know, the sore throat. I had a, a low grade fever. Thank goodness. Like you said, I didn't make the hospital either. Slow grade fever, rested it up. Within two days, I was back to work doing normal uh, things, luckily. So um, <laughs> I'm glad that you were actually back underneath the bridge like you traditionally are. I'm proud <laughs> to hear. But no, let's <laughs> jump into the inter- stop. I'm telling people that I'll be under a bridge. I don't do that <laughs> that often. No, yeah, anymore. <laughs> let's talk about the excitement from the weekend. No, real talk, real talk. Yes. Let's 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 transition to that. Yes. Jimmy. Wow. Like what can be said about the weekend? We had just epic games on top of epic games this weekend, which was completely contrary to the weekend before. Last weekend, like, Cowboys fans, you were lucky. We didn't get to dive in on you, but we're going to say something real quick. We're going to say something real quick about that. So first off, you lucked out that we didn't get to talk full-fledged. We're not going to go too deep, but at the same time, Dallas, y'all did exactly what we expected y'all to do, man. Y'all ended up just fumbling the bag. Y'all weren't prepared. The defense seemed like they they kind of knew what they were doing, but still didn't. Mm-hmm. Offense didn't want to be there. It was brutal. It was not what what y'all signed up for, and I'm not sorry. Um, y'all were bad. And so now the question we have is, what's next for y'all? What, what do you do? Do you get rid of McCarthy? Do you let your – I hope your coaches leave and go take these other jobs, right? Um, that last play call was called was atrocious, but Jimmy mm. Cowboys game. We got to talk about them first. Okay. What you think about that? Well, um, I had a unique experience. Uh, it was a very strange game for me cause I was, I was in and out. Like we talked about really interest. Still, still battling the Rona, but I had strong interest in this game. As many of you know, who listen to the show and follow us that I am a 49ers fan and have been since 10. So just to see this classic rivalry reignited, at least for one playoff Sunday, was was special to me in a sense, just remembering some of the games that 
I've seen these teams play before and some of the elation of being the team and the heartache of being beat by them. But I walked away from this game. First, I felt uncomfortable as a 49ers fan, especially at that time going into the Packers game because of how Jimmy G, the G stands for giving you a chance. He always gives you a chance to get back into the game. And that's exactly what he did in that second half for reasons that have already been talked about that you already know about. So, yes, they got away with the victory. They beat the Cowboys. You feel good about that. But I didn't feel good moving forward into the game against the Packers. More on that later. But I walked away from this more convinced than ever that being a Dallas Cowboy is a psychological curse and that there are reasons. It's almost like like a witch. How witches, you ever seen them like in movies, fairy tales, they brew this stew up in order to you know, have some sort of nefarious effect on somebody. That's what it means to be a Cowboys fan. You have this stew of all these things that just make it almost impossible, no matter how good your rosters are, to actually go as far as you should. Because the Cowboys have had some of the most talented rosters that we have seen in football since 1996 forward. Yet they have no NFC Championship playoff appearances in order to call to, you know, in order to show for it. And that's because yeah. it's a psychological curse. Having a rock star owner, Jerry Jones, always hovering over the franchise is one thing. Everything is always laid out for you. I mean, the best facilities, the best of the best of everything, just the same way that Mark Cuban treats the Mavericks. You have that. And that, that's part of what causes you to lose your edge when you face a team full of dogs like the 49ers, who are full of power, whereas your team is more of a finesse power. team. Yeah, when power, and we say this all the time. When power meets finesse, power tends to win. So there was no reason at all that the 49ers, who are talented but not as talented as his Cowboys roster, should have bullied him the way that they did. If Jimmy G didn't gag the way he did, they would have won that game going away, 30-14, to 33-14, something like that. So I feel bad for Cowboys fans because the fans, they're part of the reason. They just don't know it. They don't want to accept it, that they're part of the reason why the Cowboys tend to be soft in these games where they need to actually show up and play up to their talent level. So it is a psychological mm-hmm. curse. I don't know what you do about that, Jay. I don't know what your remedy is because Jerry Jones isn't going anywhere. Clearly the fans, they never change how they are. They don't learn. And they're just going to continue to be a cursed franchise. I think your only solution behind that is honestly coaching. And it's more so rolling the dice over and over in hopes of finding one. And I got a solution for you, Cowboys fans. I think I got one for you. Probably going to go ahead and have to let McCarthy go. If, for only one reason, if you can get a hold of this guy. Sean Payton. Ah. So there is a report out there that Sean Payton mm-hmm. has not told the Saints if he's coming back or not. Sean mm-hmm. Payton from Dallas. There's your guy. You mm-hmm. put him with Dak, his mind, find you a new offensive coordinator because I think Kellen Moore ain't it no more. <laughs> I think we've hit yeah. his ceiling. You put them together I, and then if find a way to keep Dan Quinn. Don't let Dan Quinn leave. Make Lock him in the room just like Mark Cuban did uh, DeAndre Jordan. Do not let him leave the facility. Keep mm-hmm. him hostage. Y'all will be fine next year. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think it's really just all Mike McCarthy. I think it's more so Kellen Moore. You need more creativity on the offensive side. It just seems like there wasn't true creativity. Well, besides that quarterback sneak with 14 seconds left that we all knew was not going to work. Because your line is just not fast enough to get up there to make sure you right. spike it fast enough. Right. Or the, there wasn't anybody smart enough to recognize what you're supposed to do. So mm-hmm. I'll digress well, see, on that. Cowboys. Yeah, well, see, here, I'm saying, like, here's the problem with that. I mean, I love that. Like, if you're the Cowboys, if you're any franchise that's looking for a coach right now, if he does decide to leave the Saints, yes, you want Sean Payton. He jumped to the top of your boards as far as your coaching search. But the thing about being a Dallas coach, and I was talking to Chris about this on Saturday, is any coach, any good coach, 
needs a certain amount of control and they need their owner not to meddle in what they're doing on the field. So essentially any coach who's going to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys know that they're going to be a puppet to Jerry. So someone like Sean Payton, who's had the success he's had, who's used to having the control that he has, even though he's from Dallas, even though he was he was a coach there and they should have they should not have let him leave the building back then. Why would he want to go to a franchise where he knows the owner is going to meddle the way that he does and he's not going to have the freedom of control that he's used to? And, and he knows he's going to be a puppet in a sense. Why would he want to go to that? I think he can convince them to let him run things. I think mm-hmm. he can do it. I think if anybody can, he can walk in the door and say, hey, you want to win? This is how you do it. You're going to need to go ahead and pull the reins. Let me run this bad boy. Let me have some control over personnel choices and things of that nature. And I think that Mm -hmm. he can go out there and make Dak Prescott uh, a Drew Brees 5,000-yard-a-season quarterback. Mm -hmm. Because it's really about timing and placement. He's got the wide receivers. He's got the, for the most part, offensive line when they're healthy. He's mm-hmm. got running backs. The only thing is play call. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I think that that's something that you can do to fix it. So, I agree. transitioning I agree. on that one. Yeah. Okay, let's see what's news today. Uh, the morning paper blues, huh? Oh, bad, bad, worse. Wait. Uh-oh. No, good news. The General Assembly in Richmond is working on a law to help Dominion Energy customers. If it passes, it's going to lower the cost of electricity. Uh, let me see. Right here. Wow, you're right. It saves Dominion Energy customers at least $350 million. Is it law? Mm, not yet, but I sure hope it passes. Great. Now pass me the comics. Legislation being considered by the Virginia General Assembly strengthens regulatory oversight and saves customers at least $350 million. That means a savings of about 6 to $7 a month for the average residential user, according to the State Corporation Commission, the agency that regulates utilities in Virginia. It's common sense rate relief that helps us continue doing what we do best, meeting the needs of our customers. To take action, visit dominionenergy.com forward slash rate relief. Paid for by Dominion Energy. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Last weekend... I felt like the NFL had the same problem as college football. Where, like in the college football playoff, everybody seems to get the dogs not beat out of them in the first round. And then the next round, you start to see more quality games. Mm-hmm. We saw multiple blowouts in the first weekend of the NFL. You know, the Bills destroyed the Patriots. Uh, that Bengals game, I don't know. It, it was close. It was it was it was a close one. We'll give them that. The Bucks beat up on the Eagles. The Chiefs mm-hmm. destroyed the Steelers. The mm-hmm. Rams blew out and bashed the Cardinals. So I was mm-hmm. in fear that uh, the NFL is going to see the same issue. Not this weekend. We got no. past that, guys. We got everything we hoped for, and it looks like now the young guard is taking over. Uh, there was a stat that was put out yesterday that this will be the first championship weekend without Rodgers, Brady, or Roethlisberger in like almost 20 years. Jesus. 
So like they they're always there. Is one of them in a mm-hmm. championship game? I mean, Aaron Rodgers went to what five? Um, Brady went mm-hmm. to a whole bunch. It's just it, it's the the older regime is now having to give it up to these young guys from Mahomes to Josh Allen. We're gonna talk about them, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow has now joined the fold. I don't know truly why yet, but we'll talk about that as well. And um. I don't know if you really count Jimmy G, but, you know, yeah, he was there. He's been there once before. He's been there once before, so we have to give him that. This will be his second time. He's got two Super Bowl rings, so we got to kind of give him some credit for existing (laughs) in some capacity. So remember that. He's got two rings. But we got the games that we truly wanted. We've got young players that are taking over the league, and I think that they're going to be everything we wanted. So let's start off. Man, that Bills, that Bills, that Bills Chiefs game was was a game for the age of Jimmy. That was it. Yes. Was that was that the greatest? One of the greatest games you've ever seen in your life? It's one of the greatest games I've seen in recent memory, um, at least in terms of offensive displays. And I think, you know, watching that game, you you realize the the greatness that's emerging that you're seeing. Um with Mahomes, we know that he's he's already been great for several years. And we know Josh Allen, you know, he had that breakout season last year. And this season, we're wondering, can he elevate that? Was that just a one-off or will he go back to being the Josh Allen of the first two years of his career where he struggled to have above a 60% completion percentage? But I think you see you see the future. And this is part of what you're talking about. You see the future in that game as far as how these quarterbacks play and thus how their offenses play. And that shows you that the NFL, post-Brady, post-Aaron Rodgers, because they're in the, the twilight of their careers, um, the NFL is going to be just fine because you didn't even mention in the a- just in the AFC alone, Justin Herbert as one of those emerging quarterbacks as well, yep. who everybody knows has it, as well as uh, Lamar Jackson, who we didn't get to see as much this year because of injuries. But he's got an MVP. We know how good he is and how good he can be. So that's just like five just big time future Hall of Fame quarterbacks that we're going to have for the next 10 to 12 years. So the future is bright in the NFL and the future is going to be tough in the AFC when you think about other quarterbacks who aren't at that level, like unfortunately a Baker Mayfield and multiple other quarterbacks is going to be, you know, they're going to need a lot in order to compete with these guys. But I just saw, I saw the future, you know, when quarterbacks play like that, what that shows you is like they're playing on like the shoulders of the giants who came before that. Yeah. They take all that film study, all of those ways to be a professional, all of that game film that you saw back when it was Manning versus Brady. And I think Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes can be the new Manning versus Brady. So you take all of that and you build that up to the evolution of these quarterbacks that we have right now. And that's a big part of the reason why both of them were completely unstoppable. So I was, I was pulling for the bills, honestly, but I just, I was amazed at the quarterback play I saw in this game. I no, I yeah, agreed. I I wasn't pulling for the Bills. I'll explain in a couple of moments. But no, that's exactly what it is. Is we've got this great new regime of young quarterbacks to move us forward. Like we're the NFL is just fine. We've got everything we need. We've got different uh-huh. plethoras, and we got different versions. Um, it's gonna be exciting for the next few years. And I love the way you know Joe Burrow even you know showed up a little bit or whatnot. So, but with that, with that Bills game, you know, a lot of hyperbole around, oh, greatest game we've seen. Man, I cannot believe how, how great of a defense the Bills have been all season. I think they're still number one in DVOA. 
uh-huh. and how they did as much as they possibly could and still could not stop the Chiefs. And then let's look at this. Let's take it to this too. The Chiefs defense did what they were supposed to do in that game. Mm-hmm. Let me explain why. Stephon Diggs was a non-factor in that game. Non-factor. Now, the funny thing is, is that if you look at the numbers, he's a non-factor. Stephon Diggs was a big factor in that entire game. He was major. He's major. So, yes, I contradicted myself for a reason to point this out. You look at Diggs' numbers. What did he have in that game? What like, um, two, catches, two catches for seven yards. Two catches for seven yards. What do you think the Chiefs did that entire game? They keyed in on him all night long and made sure he couldn't do nothing. This was the greatness of Josh Allen right here. He found somebody else, and he knew exactly who to go to every time. Gabriel Davis, the next wonder on that roster. Eight, only because you couldn't let Stephon Diggs beat you. That, to me, is fantastic game, game, game management, game planning, game strategy, whatever you want to call it. That's what you want from your offensive coordinators. That's what you want from your quarterback recognizing that stuff. Dude was prepared. You could tell in every pass play that he threw to, to, to Gabriel Davis deep, he knew he was going to be open. It's like he immediately thought, get it to Gabriel, get it to Gabriel, give it to GD, give it to GD. So you step back, boom, boom, dude, he fell, launched. Touchdown. That was probably the most impressive thing to me out of that entire game, even with Patrick Mahomes coming back with 13 seconds. There was a funny post by um, Clarence Hill, who is a writer for um, – he's a, he's, a, he's a Cowboys beat writer. He's been a Cowboys beat writer for like 20-something years. He posted mm-hmm. a, a, a meme that said that um, 12 um, – uh, remind your girl that 13 seconds um, <laughs> is, is <laughs> well, let me get the quote. I, I'm, I don't want to butcher it because it was hilarious. Um, but he was right. He said that never let your girl tell you 13 seconds isn't long enough ever again. <laughs> right. Which is perfect. Because Mahomes went out there for 13 seconds, Jimmy, on that great defense. He was, That defense was so afraid of Tariq Hill dusting him like he did on that run, which mm. We don't talk enough about the speed of Cheetah. Yeah, let me let me jump in though. Um, and I misquoted. It was three catches for seven yards for Stephon Diggs. Um, oh, that's Patrick awful. Mahomes. Yeah, so on the flip side, you were talking about the greatness of Josh Allen, but on the flip side, Patrick Mahomes. He he did something in this game. I've seen flashes of this, but I've never seen him do this all game long. All right, you mentioned earlier how great the Buffalo Bills defense had have been this season as all far season. as points per game, as far as DVOA. They've been awesome. They got pressure they pressured Mahomes drop back after drop back after drop back after drop back but the way Patrick Mahomes especially on that first drive when he got the rushing touchdown the way he was able to navigate pressure and just see it feel it spidey sense it I have never seen a quarterback be able to sense and maneuver around pressure that way and not in the sense of rushing taking off and rushing 15 times for 150 yards like we would get from Lamar Jackson but just the way he was a magician in the pocket. And that's very Tom Brady-esque. Tom Brady obviously has not been as fast as Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes is fast enough. He's not that fast. But I think that was a huge part of the reason why he had the game that he had. Because that's the difference between, you know, third down and fourth down. And the difference between getting that extra split second in order to mm-hmm. get the ball off. I mean, he was a genius when it came to navigating that pressure. 
because they were on him down after down. I've never seen that before. And that's just that's an aspect of Patrick Mahomes' game, along with his confidence, his leadership, um, having been successful before and a rocket arm. If he's able to do that consistently, again, we might literally be looking at the greatest quarterback of all time who may only end up with three or four Super Bowls. But with all that he's able to do and the fact that he's going to have all of Brady's passing records, if he chooses to play to like 39 or 40, I mean, that's the making of something we've never seen before. I've never seen that before. I don't know if anybody else noticed that, but I've never seen that before. Closest thing you got is Aaron Rodgers, and that's kind of why a lot of people give him that GOAT status because of his ability to move around around outside the pocket, improvise a lot, and just be just accurate. I mean, if if Patrick Mahomes can go out there and not have – and we'll talk about A.A. Ron later – uh, talk and go out there and not have double-digit interception seasons for basically majority of your career. Yeah, Mahomes got a chance of surpassing Aaron Rodgers as the most talented quarterback. But 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 we're gonna we're 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 gonna transition. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, yes, your boy Josh Allen is probably has a chance of surpassing Patrick Mahomes as one of the most talented quarterbacks we've probably ever seen. And I want to explain something to all of you. There's a reason why a lot of people hate Josh Allen. And very good reasons for it. Let me explain why. It has absolutely nothing to do with Josh Allen. It has everything to do with Jew Bills Mafia. has everything with the way that you have created this whole new revisionalist history and created this whole fantasy world that everybody that was talking about Josh Allen in his first two years was wrong. Jimmy, this is something that I don't understand. How anyone in their right mind could possibly think that everything we said about Josh Allen himself was wrong. There's nothing about Josh Allen that we said in his first two years, that's wrong. Josh Allen right now, career-wise, I'm going to go ahead and go back to his second season because I feel like that was probably when we saw the growth. It was at the end of his second season. Mm -hmm. He finished the year, after starting the year off with two, three, four, seven interceptions in the first five games. (laughs) Good God. He finished the year with only two interceptions for the rest of the year. His completion percentage was still quite bad. But he finished the year solid, 20 touchdowns, nine picks. Then he did the one thing that has never been done in NFL history. Ever been done. Josh Allen went from 58 Completion percentage in his second year, 52 in his first, to 69 in his third year. 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Which, Mm -hmm. one thing that did help him was that he had Stephon Diggs. That was the first year that Stephon Diggs got there. From 193 yards a game to 284. Bills fans, this is the reason why people hate Josh Allen. This is why people kind of root for him to lose. And it's not because of him. It's because of the fans. The people don't feel like the fans deserve to have such a great talent around them because you pretend like those first two years didn't exist. 
This is what you should say. Don't say that, oh, we knew Josh Allen was going to be this. Be like, no, Josh Allen is a unicorn. And we were lucky that he was able to do the one thing that you cannot measure at a combine. Work ethic. People, everybody works hard in the NFL. Don't, don't get it twisted. Everybody works hard, especially if you're talented. Everybody works hard. But not everybody takes the time to judge themselves and say, you know what? I need to change a lot of stuff. Because everybody, in order to get to that top 1% of a, of a, as, a, as a professional football player, just mm-hmm. out of high, out of college, you got to have some arrogance. You got to say, nah, man, I don't, need, I don't need that. Look at, I mean, broadcasters is no different. Podcasters, et cetera. You got to have that arrogance to think that you can do something that others can't do. Josh Allen walked in humility, with humility and said, nah, man, this 38, this 58 is not going to work. That's on me. I got to get better. So I got to say that. I, I, want to, I got to throw that rant out there at y'all. Let y'all know. <laughs> okay. As much as y'all want to say that, oh, we saw this when we got, no, nah, you didn't. Because you know what that's created, Jimmy? This is what it's created. I know I'm going long-winded on this, but this is what it's this is what this has created. Every team now thinks that their quarterback that's been there for a year or two, well, look at what Josh Allen did. My guy's only been here for two years. Nah, bruh. Cut it. That's not how it is. <laughs> that's not even realistic. At all. Don't think that you're going to see another Josh Allen. It's going to take about 20 years. Rant mm-hmm. over, Jimmy. Do you, do you understand why people have a reason to hate Josh Allen now? Um, not ex- Well, let me see if I understand correctly. All right, so you're talking about – all right, so Bill's Mafia. You're saying that – And I like Bill's Mafia jumping on tables. Mm-hmm. Except for when it comes to Josh Allen. It, okay, I guess I guess I'm not understanding. All right, so who is it that's that's hating Josh Allen? Everybody it's, else is not part of Bill's Mafia. Okay, so everybody why, else outside. Why of we them. why we knock down Bill's Mafia fans and remind them of, hey, pump the brakes, don't because this is what it is. Back to the beginning, I may have been super long winded and nobody understood what I talked about. Mm. Let me reverse it. Let me explain one simple way of saying it. Bill's Mafia fans pretend like his first two years didn't exist. Okay. And they're trying to say that he's been great from jump because that's because Bills fans jumped in my mentions all the time about him. I was like, guys, he sucks right now. Mm. And he's basically been the example of every other quarterback we've ever seen. Suck really bad to start. Everybody likes him because he's 6'5, 240 pounds with a rocket arm. I mean, we we got Brock uh, Brock Lobster out there, Brock <laughs> Osweiler. We've seen him play before. And y'all saw how he finessed teams out of money and we ain't seen him since. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So essentially, his first two seasons, we here's what I think it is. I think people knew that he he had great talent, he had great possibility, but that's Everybody not special that. because we we've seen that before. We've seen that in so many other quarterbacks. You just mentioned some of them who have all the the I won't say all the intangible. They have all the tangibles. They have all the physical talent, and then they suck in those first two seasons and they never recover. Whereas Josh Allen, he went above and beyond the work ethic that it took to not only overcome that, but to actually transform himself into a great quarterback, which is something that we almost never see from any of the quarterbacks who flame out after those first two seasons. Jimmy, we've never seen it before. That's the point. Uh-huh. And that's why I try to tell everybody. And because because th- th- my problem with Bills, and this is where my problem comes in with Bills fans, is you're making other teams think that this is possible too. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see glimpse of greatness with certain quarterbacks, glimpse of opportunity there. But to be honest, within usually the first two years, you know if they got, if they've got a chance or not. 
You can see mm-hmm. it by the decision making, by the thoughts, and you can even look at the talent around him. Because the other thing that Josh Allen also uh, benefited from is a great coaching staff. I mean, McDermott's actually yes. pretty damn good. You know, mm-hmm. um, he has a really good coaching staff. And so I'm not giving, honestly, I'm giving them a portion of his credit, but Josh Allen worked his ass off. And that's the thing that I commend him for. That's why I like Josh Allen is because I saw how hard he worked to get to that point. Because like I said, mm-hmm. you have to have a level of humility to walk in and say, look, I'm only throwing, completing 58% of my passes. I got to get better. So I got to get better by my decision making. Because all professional athletes go in with a level of arrogance because that's the only way you get there. You got to think you're better than the person across the field from you. If you don't think that, you're not going to last. Josh Allen knew it, but he also recognized that if I'm going to survive in this league, I've got to change. And he went out, got him some help from Jordan Palmer and became who he is today. So that was my rant on Josh Allen of why we hate him. And it's not because it's him. It's your fans making everybody else have false hope for some of these quarterbacks that ain't going to make it. Period. (laughs) Had to get that off my chest. Yeah. Something else that we do here on Unfair Sports on our Monday is Jimmy's going to give us the deuce. <laughs> and now Jimmy has the news. <laughs> ah, thank you, Wendy. Rusty. All right, so so Jay, something that we uh, we struggle to do, especially during the football season on this show, is actually find worthy NBA topics that are more interesting than the football topics that we have. So I don't have one of those today, Dang. but I do want to, because I probably follow the NBA a little bit closer than you and maybe some of the some of our listeners. So I'm going to give you the uh, the top six currently in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference standings, and you tell me what you think about that. All right, so Eastern Conference, your Miami Heat sit atop the East at 30 and 17, half a game behind them in the two spot, the Brooklyn Nets. Three, we have the Bulls. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are at four, no game separating the two. The Cleveland Cavaliers at five, and the Philadelphia 76ers at six. So what do you think so far about the Eastern Conference standings? About what you thought they would be or a little bit different? It's a little bit different. I thought that Miami was going to have their bounce back. I told everybody last year that the biggest problem they had is that they played in the the bubble and they went to the finals. They didn't get much of an offseason. The team fell apart because of injuries, and now that they have a full offseason in the playoffs, they're looking better. Um, This is kind of actually – a little bit more of what I expected. The Bulls, though. The Bulls are going to be a lot better. I love yeah. what they're doing. But the, the Bulls have a problem. They've got some pretty significant injury problems, and they're still young in a sense. That's why I think that the Bulls aren't going to go as far as people think. And I think Brooklyn, because of KD being out again, and just because of different guys being in and out of the lineup, they're still not going to be able to establish that chemistry. So I think, honestly, the Miami Heat have a really good chance to get back to the finals. And I think, obviously, Milwaukee's going to be there as well. They're going to have something to say about that. So the East is going to be pretty interesting in that regard. All right, the West. Cleveland 28 and 19. We'll talk about that later. JB Bickerstaff. They got a bunch of young players who play hard and play together. And JB Bickerstaff, the coach. Western Conference, uh, Phoenix Suns, 36 and 9, sit, sit at the top of the West. Three games behind them in the two spot, Golden State Warriors. We have the Memphis Grizzlies and John Moran at the three spot. Utah right behind them at four. Dallas Mavericks at five. Three games behind Utah. And at the sixth spot, the Denver Nuggets. Woo! The West is uh, the Lakers are struggling. They under three five hundred again. Um, yeah, I'm loving, yeah. I'm loving what John Morant's doing in Memphis. As long as he can stay healthy, I'm totally sold on them right now. Uh, not making the finals, but I do see them going deep. 
I agree. I agree. They're kind of like the Bulls of the West in the sense of, yes. you know, sort of a young upstart team. Yeah, the Lakers are at eight and the Clippers are half a game behind them at the nine spot. And it's not looking right for either one of them. Paul George has been out for weeks, maybe out for more weeks. And we know the, the, the Lakers problems have been well documented. So we don't know how they're going to figure that out. But they should be getting AD back very soon. Um, all right. So you mentioned earlier about Sean Payton and his future being uncertain with the uh, with the Saints. And that's coming from the owner, Gabe Vincent. Um, so, all right, so let's say he does leave the Saints. I'm going to take out the Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, the remaining teams who still need a coach, which one do you think he might think is the best the best spot for him as far as if he leaves, as far as the Giants, the Bears, the Vikings, Broncos, Dolphins, or Raiders? Cowboys. That well, job will come open for you. <laughs> but no, <laughs> well, let's say that it doesn't. Be honest, one of the better ones probably for him would be either the Bears or the Raiders. I think both teams are primed to make a move forward offensively. They just need a mind to help him. I think he could do a really good job of settling Derek Carr down and getting him uh, getting him really going. So I kind of like the Raiders. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot to like about the Raiders. They do fight hard. I mean, I, I just can't get past how good the Vikings roster is, and I can't get past the fact that the Broncos roster is probably a quarterback away. They're kind of like the yeah, Bucks in the true. They just they have everything else except that. So to me, those two spots might be a little bit more attractive. Uh, but I mean, I think the Raiders is a good job. I mean, a, you know, beautiful stadium. You have your quarterback. You have some players that fight really hard for that team. I mean, they weren't supposed to be in the playoffs, but they fought their way there through everything they dealt with this season. So True. there's some very attractive options out there, and that's part of the reason why he may be uncertain, because he may not see as much light at the end of the tunnel for the Saints as he does for some of these other jobs. Gotcha. Is that it? Oh, it's it. It's news. And that was Jimmy with the news. Thank you, Bob. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Let's go right into some uh, NF, uh, some more NFL actions. We're going to talk about a lot of NFL this from this past weekend. But before we do that, I wanted to make mention to all of you, I'm going to start a little contest uh, for us. been partnering with the guy, my guy over at uh, BB55, a betting website, to uh, put together a contest to where you guys can put in your best bet. So if you are a aspiring gambler or a bookie or, um, <clears throat> or handicapper, Keep a lookout on our social media, especially on Twitter uh, and Facebook. I'm going to put a flyer out on Instagram. I'll put a flyer out on um, a future contest that's coming here in February. See if you can outpick me. Uh, followers will win swag. I'll send out some unfair sports shirts, 
so that you can uh, join the contest. So I will get all the details in. You'll see all the information on our socials. Follow us on Twitter at Unfair Sports. Mm-hmm. Hit us up on Instagram at Unfair underscore sports. And you can just search us on Facebook, Unfair Sports It Self. So, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. God. The, uh, yeah. All right. Now, I, I know that this may not be the easiest thing for you to talk about, Jay. Oh, no, it's easy. I did, not, I did not expect us actually to be here talking about it this way. But the second game from, well, the first game from yesterday, you had the Rams and the Buccaneers. Uh, the Rams get out to that huge lead. And then they realize who they're playing against. And then they start selling all over the field. Can't hold on to the ball, missing field goals. And the Buccaneers come back with 24 straight points, but still end up losing the game 30 to 27 to the Rams, who now go on to the NFC Championship. So, so, I, so as a Bucks fan, you and I, I mean, for you, you know, that's, that's your, your number You're not one a Bucks team. fan, man. I'm a Stop Bucks doing fan. This. I have a t-shirt and a certificate. Just because you have, you have, don't have a certificate. T-shirt. You got a t-shirt. I don't have a t-shirt. I don't have a t-shirt. You have a t-shirt. You do not have a certificate. I, I, yes, I do. It's around here somewhere. Let me yeah, you don't. look around. I'll, I'll get it later. I'll get it later. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, I mean, for you, like, just what were your thoughts about that? I had one thought in that entire game. So I, I can give it to Tom Brady for hitting them with the 28 to three reminder as we were getting the, as we were getting curb stomped 27 to six. Um, he reminded everybody, Hey, you know, I did come back from, you know, a worse score in my mm-hmm. career and mounted that comeback. But this is the only problem I had in the entire game. Now this kind of reminds me of what, Kansas City did to Buffalo in the smartest way possible. The Chiefs kept Stephon Diggs as contained as possible. They damn near double teamed him the whole game, mm-hmm. which is what you're supposed to do when you play against a guy who is the reason why his quarterback is so successful. What did Tampa Bay do, Jimmy? <laughs> what did Tampa Bay do? So Tampa Bay's down. 27 to 6. And the defense did what it needed to do. It kept getting turnovers. We got four mm-hmm. turnovers in that game. Mm-hmm. That was what you want. You got all those fumbles. Just fumble here. Fumble there. We got just fumble, fumble, fumble. We started making the comebacks that we were supposed to do in order to survive. Then, then what do we do at the end of the game, Jimmy? This is what we did. The guy who probably should win MVP this year, mm-hmm. we left him open twice. Twice. Mm-hmm. How do you leave Cooper Cup open, Jimmy? How do you leave Cooper Cup? We forced a fumble out of him. We made Acres fumble mm-hmm. twice. We did everything what he was supposed to do. Todd Bulls calls a cover zero, sends a corner on the side after him, and, and thinks that a safety is going to keep up with Cooper Cup? Mm-hmm. Jimmy, mm. what the hell was they thinking? <laughs> Nine it's catches, not- 183 <laughs> yards, 20 yards per catch, a touchdown, longest of 70, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. He was targeted 11 times. Uh, see, I think here's what we know about this, this Buccaneers team, especially going off last season, <clears throat> and we're talking about the defense. We know, that, we know that Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive coordinators in football. We know that this is one of the best defenses, healthy, completely healthy for the first time 
in this game all season. We know that this is one of the best defenses in football. The only way that they let Cooper Cup, because I believe he had nine catches for 183 and a touchdown, but none bigger than those final two catches towards the end of the fourth quarter. The only way that that happens against this defensive roster and this defensive coordinator is it's not what they were thinking. It's what they were overthinking. So somehow they thought themselves out of what were probably much better play calls or the right play calls into whatever that was. It actually, it, I, it was, I was reminded of shades of what Greg Williams, who was a defensive coordinator for the Jets, did last season against the Raiders, where I think it was uh, Henry Ruggs, who he let, he caught again, another cover zero, no safety help deep, and the Raiders desperate heave it to, to Henry Ruggs, who no one can keep up with. They scored a touchdown and they lose the game. It kind of felt like this, that in this kind of a situation, the last thing you do outside of not having a better game plan against Cooper Cup, the MVP, is the last thing you want to do is not have safety help over the middle. So maybe there was a miscommunication. Maybe we overthought ourselves in the sense of, hey, they would never think we would do this. So let's do this so that they won't see it coming. And then it blew up in their face. I don't know what it was. I hate that it came down to that. I think with the comeback that they that the Bucks engineered, spearheaded by Tom Brady, they, in a sense, I want to say they deserve to win that game. But getting down 27-3 to to Matthew Stafford, you kind of don't. But they were still in a position to win that game. I have no idea what his explanation was. I would love to see his post-game press conference, Todd Bowles, if he had one, to see that play call explain. But I was – I couldn't believe it. In that kind of a situation, you don't see that against a really good defense, and that's what we saw. I was so upset that I couldn't even watch it. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't want. I didn't even want to. I didn't want to hear what Todd Bowles had to say. Even though I literally tweeted out, "I need an explanation of why he made this call." I couldn't. Right. I just didn't even want to. I didn't even care. I was so mad. I was so mad. Mm-hmm. That was a. That was terrible. <clears throat> that was just terrible scheming on his part. In just that, you knew where Stafford wanted to go. There's only one place for him to go. Mm-hmm. Cooper Cup. And he went to yeah. him two plays in a row, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Two in a row. You double team him. You make OBJ beat you. Because OBJ, exactly. six catches, 63 yards, cool and all. He's been better in the red zone for them than he has really been anywhere else. You That's can true. go one-on-one with OBJ. You can frustrate him. Mm-hmm. You can't let Cooper Cup do anything because he's a masterful route runner. What are we now, thinking? I, I will say this. All right, so in looking at how they even got down 27 to three in the first place, I get it on offense because that Rams defensive front, I mean, they were just after Brady. They had no fear whatsoever. And, I and the whole line was banged up. I do know that. Even though yes. Jensen played, he was banged up. Tristan Wirfs, I thought he was going to give it a go. He wasn't able to make it. So I yeah. get that on defense as far as how they struggled early to do anything against that Rams defensive front. But again, giving up, I don't understand how they gave up that that amount of points, 27 points to the Rams, who, again, your defense is powerful. The Rams offense is finesse. That's how the 49ers beat him. So how they let that finesse offense, who really didn't do anything spectacular, in my opinion, to get to the 27 points. I don't understand that part of it as much as I don't understand that play call at the end that we just talked about. I mean, if, if at the at the end of the game, you notice that Tom Brady started really just going after Jalen uh, Ramsey and letting Mike mm-hmm. Evans eat him up, which he had eight catches for 119. Um, that touchdown that he caught when he dusted him, oh, my God, it was beautiful. Just 55, masterful, just chef's kiss. That's what it was. Not having Godwin 
Um, and the Rams being able to really key in on Mike Evans and Gronkowski. He was trying to use everybody else, the other receivers for the most part, Scotty Mills, uh, Scotty Miller, as well as um, Tyler Johnson weren't really catching passes. Right. You know, I mean, they both had six targets. One came with four catches. The other came with three. They weren't as clutch as we needed them at the time. But and Cyril, and Cyril Grayson, who was actually, um, you know, has helped him in multiple games towards the end of the season. I don't think he played because of a, a hamstring. I think it was. So they didn't have him. So, yeah, we were beat up. And I kind of expected yeah. us to lose this game in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I, but when we started coming back, I was like, oh, man, there's a chance. I'm excited. Yes. But defensively, we failed ourselves by letting Cooper Cup. Do the thing that he's done, Jimmy, all season. He's my fantasy wide receiver. He's the reason why I finished with third place. He's the only reason why I even survived in fantasy because he kept just putting up number after number after number. And if Tampa Bay was smart, they would have been prepared for that. So what's next for Tom Brady? You think he comes back? Uh, I think he comes back. And here's the, the one reason why I think so. And this is just this is just arrogance. This is hubris. And I think this is a part of what happened with Todd Bowles as far as why he made the call that he made. But this is different. So I think with Aaron Rodgers, he watches John Elway, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, retire a champion, retire on top. He watches Peyton Manning in that same Broncos uniform, his contemporary, one of his rivals, finish with a championship in a Broncos uniform, go out on top. I don't think that Brady, even though he has way more championships than just about every other quarterback, not named Joe Montana, and three yeah. more than him, I don't think Tom Brady can go out this way. I don't think he necessarily – won't go. He'll just keep playing and playing until he goes out with a championship. But I think losing in the divisional round where, you know, you have the better team and, you know, you would have had home field advantage the next week. I don't think he can go out this way. I think that for him, he's got to get back to another Super Bowl and 70 percent chance he gets to a Super Bowl. He wins it. I think he wants to go out on top. I don't think Tom Brady can go out this way because he didn't play well in this game. We know that. But I think for that reason, he's going to come back. I think the majority of his guys are going to come back with him just like they did after the Super Bowl run last season. Um, Bruce Arias has already said he's going to be back as well. They'll do some some re, some reloading. That's what Arias said. They don't need to rebuild anything. They've got the foundation. We know that. And I think that he will be right back and be right back in the divisional round and beyond next season. So he is absolutely 100% coming back. I don't care what Giselle says. He's coming back. All we need is health. So if we get Tom Brady healthy, I think that you are 100% right. He'll be able to lead his way on top and go from there. So mm-hmm. that's, that sounds good to me. So it'll be all right, Jay. It'll be all right for us. We're going to survive this. You know, us. <laughs> yeah. Us. us. U.S. USA. Us. us. We're going to survive this. We're going to be fine. We're going to get our boy back. Tampa will be back on top next season. Who is this dude? Yeah, we're going to get us another us. championship. Yeah. So my certificate says. It says us. <laughs> so the last cold ending games yeah Saturday games were wild Jimmy they were wild <laughs> because they were like not that great now the great part about yeah. it is that, that every game this weekend we can show appreciation for is that they all came down to the wire every mm-hmm. single game came down to the wire and you can't beat that. So I kind of we mentioned earlier how great of a weekend it was for football. These Saturday games, though, outside of the fact that they were down to the wire, and I just realized this too, except for besides the Chiefs game, which was in, I guess you could say, the cold. Yeah. 
Those other two games were pretty cold mm-hmm. games. Yes. I guess Tennessee would probably have been a little bit more equal with uh, Kansas City. That Packers game was cold. And I remember the OSG asked the question of what's going to happen in that game, what he thought. And I mentioned it. I tell, you know, I said it in the group text. San Francisco's a run down their throat. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's supposed to be damn near negative degrees. So why would you do anything but running down their throat? Oh, at the yeah. same time, y'all's quarterback is Jimmy G, who threw for 131 yards and an interception mm-hmm. in a game that you expected. But guess what? Y'all ran for 100 yards with the split between Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuels. God, Debo is so freaking good. Did you know that he was a three-star recruit going to South Carolina? Um, no, I didn't know that. I know he was, I know he was undersized. a recruit. I didn't know that. But, yeah. Yeah, he was considered kind of undersized. Not too many people really looked at him, but anywho. Mm-hmm. Y'all went out there and just manhandled the Packers. And what I don't get, and this is something that you're going to have to clarify for me and help me understand is, what the hell happened to Aaron Rodgers? Like, you, what happened? Like, this is the crazy part. Your Niners didn't even score an offensive touchdown. Nope. And won this game. Mm Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, 200-something yards, 225 yards, 20 for 29. Aaron Jones caught nine catches for 129. Good Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you And how. Devontae you Adams how. had nine catches for 90 yards. Yeah, he ate them up mostly in the first half. But I'll tell you what happened with Aaron Rodgers. I could tell by the way he was playing. It, it, was, it was all about belief. Belief played a huge role in this game on both sides of, both really? sides of the football. In the sense of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, but more so Aaron Rodgers, he didn't believe that there was any chance that this 49ers team could find a way to win this game. So therefore, he didn't play with any sense of urgency. He didn't play like his back was up against the wall. He he played very, very comfortably, as if tomorrow was already promised. And that's a big part of the reason why he didn't look like MVP Aaron Rodgers. So somebody might say, well, what could he do in those kind of conditions? You know, whether it was crappy, it was cold, it was just freezing cold, all that kind of stuff. But I could see that explanation for the offense of San Francisco and Jimmy G, who struggles anyway to throw the ball with any kind of consistency. But Aaron Rodgers, they they live in this. They practice in this. He's been the quarterback of that team for, what, 15 years or just been a part of the team for 14 or 15 years. They are used to this. They know exactly what to do down to the type of footwear you're supposed to wear in this type of game in order to still be almost as effective as you normally are under normal circumstances. So weather was not a factor in this game. They just didn't play with any type of belief. Now, yes, he was getting pressure that front four for the 49ers that just consistently over these last three weeks have allowed them to rush the quarterback and drop back seven. I mean, he took five sacks. So that defensive line for the 49ers did their job, but that's not supposed to matter when you're talking about the two time was going to be, he's going to be the two time MVP in his own home field as the number one seed where the playoffs of the NFC go through you and your stadium and your city. He didn't play with any type of urgency. And by the time that they actually started to realize they needed to play with urgency, the 49ers had already had, was it a punt blocked for, for a touchdown, blocked a field goal and were, you know, were already charging and you knew the momentum had swung by then it was too late. So by then it was, that's what it was. It was too late for them to play with any type of urgency because they came into this game, walking up the bus, believing that they were going to win this game. And San Francisco was able to take advantage of that in more ways than one. 
16 years as a Packer, drafted in 05. This is 17 mm-hmm. years now, coming around. 17 years he's been with and you know what you know what and team. you can also say this Jake tell me what you think about this it's almost like he played like somebody who didn't want to play for that team anymore yeah yeah i yeah. mean like he, was, he did there was rumors that he said he's going to boycott the super bowl and it looked like he boycotted it for us officially uh, at the same time well, it looked well, like hold, he boycotted hold, the explain that, to, explain that part to me what do you mean we talking about boycott the super bowl like what what explain that you know, COVID restrictions and stuff they got out there in California. He ain't feeling yeah. it. And so, you know, all the stuff that he's been doing on Joe Rogan and talking on Pat McAfee or whatnot. But I don't know. It's just what's funny, though, to me is that he did look like he wasn't trying to play for the Packers no more. And they want him back. I don't know why, but they want him back. Because they don't like Jordan Love. Which is which is terrifying. They they mm-hmm. got that they drafted him in the first round and now mm-hmm. three years in they're just like yeah that was a wasted pick. Mm-hmm. We could have exactly. got him a, a wide receiver, but we decided to get Jordan Love instead. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I mean I understand one the contingency plan, but if you mm-hmm. ain't yeah no no right Goon Coots their GM he's made a lot of really good moves he's a better GM than people think I know that oh, Aaron yeah. Rodgers and how, how he drug him through the mud really put a stain on his reputation but I think he's a very good GM but that particular move is on par with how bad the Lakers move to get Russell Westbrook is for for, all, for its own reasons but that was a horrible move I mean it ruined your relationship with Aaron Rodgers and you have no backup plan you're not going to get any free agent quarterback worth anything into Green Bay if he does decide to ask for a trade, which they said they would grant him if that's what he wanted after this season. And I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. So they're, they're going to be a quarterback purgatory, something that Packers fans have not had to deal with since, what, before Brett Favre? I mean, I know they had the Bart yeah. Star years and then the gap. And then from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, you're talking about almost 30 years worth of Hall of Fame level quarterbacking that you're not going to have anymore. You and guys. It's Guntoon's fault. And I mean, and hell, in that draft, he had Gabriel Davis on there, and we, we're seeing what he's doing now that he's getting a true opportunity. But right, but right after Jordan Love, first picks in the second round, T. Higgins and Michael Pittman Jr. Oh. It, they did this to themselves. This is exactly you get what you pay for. You did this to yourself. So I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, Packers fans. And Packers fans are some of the best fans in the NFL, but you're about we're about. You're about to see what you're truly made of. We're about to see what type of fan you truly are because what type of fan you truly are really comes out when you're losing and when you're not on top as opposed to when everything is great and your injury report looks great and you're winning all yep. these games. We're going to see what Packers fans really are like after he leaves his team. Oh, yeah, because because they, they've had 30 years of great quarterback yeah, play. Exactly. And that's about to be exactly. gone. Maybe. We don't know. We'll, we'll see if they decide that they're going to go ahead and throw Jordan Love out there in the flame and see what they think about him. But – Speaking of quarterbacks. (laughs) Got to talk about the last game there, though. That Bengals Mm -hmm. and that Titans game. (laughs) Oh, boy. Hold a second. Hold a second. Hold a second. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate that love. Thank you. So, calm, calm down. I, I know, I know. Yeah. I'm going to keep that down, man. No, no, no. You want more? <laughs> Guys, look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Fine. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate. Thank you. Thank you all for this. Um, we got some victory laps, Jimmy. Yes. We one for me, laps. two for you. We've got yeah, two. Well, we got um yeah, one for me, two for you, and I've got actually, and we both got oh. one place where we need to uh eat a little bit of crow. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Two for you. Two laps for you. One for me. Ah, right, two for me. One for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one lap that I do need to make initially. The initial lap has to be made. I told y'all y'all had one problem. Mm-hmm. Y'all's quarterback was Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. I told Titans fans this. Y'all ripped me up. 700-something views. Hundreds of comments. Blah, blah, blah. Tannehill's this. He should this. Blah, blah, blah. I told y'all. Y'all had one problem. Y'all's quarterback's Ryan Tannehill. I like Ryan Tannehill. But I understand Ryan Tannehill's limitations. I like Jameis Winston when he was with Tampa Bay. But I also understood Jameis Winston's limitations. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that he could possibly, but you need more. I said for you all, and this is the one lump I can take, I said that if y'all's defense don't show up, then y'all have no chance of, of advancing in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'll give you this. It's my second lump. Y'all got the number one seed. And y'all became the weakest number one seed we've probably seen in year in, in, in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Taking an L 13 to 10 at your career, 19 to 6, 19 to 16, my bad, 19 to 16, 13 to 10 was the uh, Niners and Packers game. But 19 right. to 16, y'all took that L at your own crib to, 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 to Joe Burrow, who I like. I like, but I'm not all in on yet for only one reason. He showed me in that game he's young. And he makes mistakes by holding the ball too long. Mm-hmm. But I told y'all, the one thing that y'all wasn't going to win with is have Ryan Tannehill as y'all's quarterback and let him make the decisions for you. Jimmy, make your first lap. Go ahead and take your first lap, Jimmy. Okay. Well, my first lap is really your second lap. And that is we both told you before the season unequivocally that your team was not going to go deep into the playoffs, albeit for different reasons. We tried to prepare you for it then, just like we try to prepare the Cowboys fans every year before the season starts of how to have realistic expectations for their team. But you all got way too excited. I know what it was. It was getting Julio Jones. You got way too excited believing that he was going to be the player to put you over the top. And as Jay has already eloquently pointed out, the good news for your team is the bad news for your team. And that is your quarterback away. That's the bad news. okay? because we know how difficult it is to find quarterbacks. And Ryan Tannehill is going to be your quarterback next season. But that's the good news that you've got pretty much everything else that you need. A.J. Brown is a monster. Derrick Henry is going to get back to form. Julio Jones, I thought was actually pretty solid when he played. And you also have several other running backs who you saw throughout the season can be good as well with Foreman and Hilliard. And that defense, and this is this is my, my love. This is why I went one for two. I said the reason why you weren't going to go far was because of your defense. Jay said your quarterback, he was right. I was wrong. That defense had nine sacks in this game. That defensive line was ferocious. Just a team full of B to B plus players who play hard and play together. I did not think that they were going to be able to play that well. They played good enough to win this game. But when your quarterback is turning the ball over three times and one of that last interception, I don't know what he was looking at. That was a Jimmy G level interception. It was horrible. I can tell you what he's looking at. Yeah. 
He was looking at the decisions that he liked to make. He uh -huh. threw the ball to a second-year wide receiver, Westbrook Akini. Even though I think that he's got potential. We, we're yeah, seeing something out of him. He threw it to him in, in traffic. Did you think that ball wasn't going to bounce off his chest? <laughs> Did you think the defense wasn't going to – you got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. You make them play jump ball with somebody. I don't care. You figure that out. A.J. Brown, five catches, 142 yards, and a tutty. He's a man. Jimmy, you you make you figure that out. First play from scrimmage, Ryan Tannehill throws a pick, and I'm like, yep, there we go. <laughs> then Ryan Tannehill does what he always does. He throws mm -hmm. a pinpoint, perfectly placed cat pass to the point of A.J. Brown literally just had to turn, and the ball was sitting in his hand, cradled like a baby. He did no work on that catch. He got to the spot. He just turned. Boop. It's right there. And he kept going. Mm -hmm. Perp, beautiful throw. And that's, and that's, that's, do that. and that's what's so frustrating about having a quarterback like that is because you see those flashes. And he made passes like that last season. That's a big part of the reason why they came down on you so hard about your thoughts on Ryan Tannehill was because they believed that he was going to be that quarterback more than what he was. And they have to realize this is just who Ryan Tannehill is. He's going to... He's going to astound you on one end, and then the very next play, he's going to leave you scratching your head, thinking, are you watching Ryan Tannehill or are you watching Jimmy G? Like, that's that's the frustration. I know, right? That's what I mean. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, I will say this, Jay. I'm going to I'm going to cough up some of the crow that I just ate because I wasn't completely wrong about why the Tennessee Titans wouldn't go far and that having to do with defense. Okay, defensive line, nine nine sacks. I have to eat crow on that. They were fantastic. They were ferocious. And an interception. Yeah, and an interception. But look at these passing numbers. I want you to notice something about Joe Burrow in this game. Jamar Chase, five catches, 109 yards. T. Higgins, seven catches, 96 yards. C.J. Uzoma, seven catches, 71 yards. Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon, six catches, 51 yards. What does that tell you? That tells you that there were guys, different guys, open all over the field throughout the game to where he was able to spread it around to multiple people, not even having to use Tyler Boyd, his third best receiver. So, yes, the defensive line was fantastic, but what was the secondary doing to where there were so many guys walking around to where Burrow could just pick and choose and make – he could make sure he spread the ball around on purpose. That's how he was able to do this. So, in that so, sense, the defense did play a role in this loss. So, so this is where I disagree with you on the defense's role – on this and and, and right. you're not 100 wrong like it's one of those i only disagree because i look at one thing that they did very well in this game all right they gave up only 19 points mm -hmm. like joe burrow threw for 300 and what 43 yards 48 mm -hmm. 48 i'm sorry 48 348 yards in this game no touchdowns and a pick so basically what they did defensively is they forced them to eventually give up the ball because what was the Titans offense doing? Mm -hmm. Giving them not giving the ball back mm -hmm. to the Bengals. Right. So it's one of those, they didn't give up a touchdown until the second half because they were overworked and basically underpaid. That's one thing I always say, we've said this a lot on the show and I say this all the time. The offense has to help the defense. The way the offense helps the defense is to keep the ball for as long as possible. And then the defense can get that rest and go out there and stop them. 
Mm-hmm. The Bengals, you know, they drove down the field well. That that drive that got them the touchdown run by Joe Mixon, that was just a defensive struggle. Mm-hmm. But then from there, they 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 forced a punt, a three and out right afterwards. Well, after Tannehill threw interception, they forced a three and out. They mm-hmm. got a field goal from it. Then they forced the interception to get the touchdown that tied the game. Basically, the AJ Green catch. I mean AJ Brown catch. Yeah. Then they forced a punt. And what the offense do? Turn it over on downs. Then they forced another punt. Jimmy, the game's tied. They forced another punt. And then what happened? They threw another interception. So at a certain point, (laughs) the defense needs help. It was like 33 to 26 on the time of possession. So it wasn't that bad, but it was one of those, Donald, can y'all help us out? Can you throw a play a bone? Yeah. Well, and I think maybe, you know, kind of with that, part of this might have to follow Mike Vrabel a little bit. All right, so we know that they finally get Derrick Henry back in this game, right? And he they give him the ball 20 times for 62 yards. His longest rush was was nine yards. He did get a touchdown. But you also had uh, Dante Foreman, I think his name is, who's been kind of the lead back since Derrick Henry's been out. He had four carries for 66 yards. One of those carries was for 45 yards, but still the I mean, by far the biggest, longest run that they, they had in this game. Yep. Would you say that part of the reason or part of the problem was they relied too much on Derrick Henry, that they gave him too many carries and some of those carries should have gone to uh, Foreman and that would have made their run game more effective? Yeah, because you know what teams do to uh, the Titans when they see them in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. They focus on Derrick Henry. Stack the box. Yep. Hey, guess what? Come on, Tannehill. Beat us. <laughs> Yeah. Beat me, Ryan Tannehill. Let's look at Ryan Tannehill's playoff games since 2019 as a Titan. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. First game, they won against New England, 20 to 13. He was had eight passes for 15 yards, 72 yards. Eight eight, eight for 15, 72 yards, and a touchdown. And a pick. Mm -hmm. Next game against Baltimore, seven for 14, 88 yards, two touchdowns. So they decided to go up against Kansas City. <laughs> this was the year Kansas City won the chip. It was mm-hmm. a shootout. It was a big one. Derrick Henry in that game, 19 carries for 69 yards. Tannehill, 30, 21 for 31, 209 yards, two touchdowns. No interceptions. Mm-hmm. But they lost. Because mm-hmm. Derrick Henry, they stacked the box and said, Tannehill, you got to beat us. Tannehill couldn't do it. Then this, And then Baltimore last year. They lost 18 for 26, 165, a touchdown and a pick only sacked one time. The offensive line is keeping the dude up, right? Mm-hmm. He just don't make the right decision to keep them to help them win the game. True. I keep saying it's over and over. It's, it's not that Tannehill is a bad quarterback. He just don't make the right decisions in the playoffs to win games. When the team say you have to beat us, mm-hmm. that's it. Tannehill, you have to beat us and he ain't beat nobody. Right. As proven by the numbers. And in this year, <laughs> son of a gun. Yeah. So we'll, yeah. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll touch bases with you Titans fans again. We're not going to wait till, you know, our, our preview show right before next season. I mean, we do talk NFL sort of scattered throughout the year. So you'll be hearing from us again. So this isn't over yet. And oh, the no. best that you can all do as far as with your comments, first of all, we appreciate you, you know, listening to the show, watching the videos. And we appreciate your feedback, but just be reasonable, be realistic. Yes, you still have a good, solid team, but they're just not good enough for the reasons that we've talked about. 
So just admit that. Admit that you all were wrong. Admit that some of what you said was mean because you didn't think we knew what we were talking about. And, you know, in a sense, we definitely did. Jay, even more so than me, because I thought Tannehill was actually going to be OK. I thought it was a defense. I was wrong. So just just be be an adult about it. Admit that you're yeah, wrong. Let's move on from it. Exactly. Let's be adults here and just remember that the only thing we told you is the only reason why having Julio Jones don't matter is because the person throwing the ball is Ryan Tannehill. Yep. Let's talk recruiting, Jimmy. It's yes. been a bit since we had to jump into the OU recruiting world and really talk about it, but there was a big announcement that came down the pipeline. Everybody's talking about it. Of course, we got to talk about it now. Jackson mm-hmm. Arnold, the numbers nation's number six quarterback and number 47 prospect on uh, 24-7's composite, has committed to Oklahoma. Uh, quarterback, he's 6'1", with 187. Looks like he's got a lot of potential. So he joins a potentially joins a quarterback room. It's, you know, he committed. You know, there's no, you know, there's no, there's a hard commit right now. Um, at four-star, 96 is his number? So my bad. 6'1", 195, not one eighty seven, one ninety five. So you're six one mm-hmm. quarterback coming in to play out of Geyer, Denton, Texas. Jimmy, you said you watched some video on the kid. What, what you feel? What's your feelings on this <clears throat> commitment? Well, um, you know he's like I say, he's one of the one of the top dual threat quarterbacks coming out of this class. So I wasn't surprised by his mobility as far as when he decides to take off and straight line speed. So he's got solid, he's got solid speed. Um, he makes good choices as far as when to take off. So, I mean, that really wasn't an issue. That really wasn't what I was looking for. But what I started to notice the more I watched film on him is that more so than taking off, he likes to use his feet in order to maneuver around the pocket to get outside and create a new pocket for him. To me, the one who's one of the best at this is Russell Wilson. And I talked about Patrick Mahomes doing this for himself quite a bit yesterday in the game. But when he does that, he's able to make throws where his feet don't have to be set. So that shows you that he's got a a very good arm. I don't think he has like a superior arm, but he's got a very good arm to be able to do that, to be able to make those throws and throw darts without his feet being set. But when he takes off or when he maneuvers around the pocket, a big part of what he does is he keeps his eyes down the field. And that's something, no matter how good you are as a quarterback, if you lose focus on what you're supposed to be looking at, even though you can sort of see pressure coming at you or you start to sense it, I mean, those are the quarterbacks who don't even make it through college, who have all the physical tools but can't keep their eyes down the field because they're terrified of getting hit. But his eyes and his head stays down the field. And eventually what's going to happen with quarterbacks like this is and when they're able to maneuver that way, they keep their eyes down the field, something's going to get open. Because in yeah. secondary, no matter how good you are, you really can't keep can't lock down. You can't clamp up an offense for more than three seconds before somebody comes open. So he gives his receivers the ability to do that because of how he uses his mobility, but because he will find them, he will see them if they get open. So I think that this is a very exciting quarterback that they'll be able to add to the room. Um, it's going to be very competitive. Uh, again, I think I think Jeff Levy. You could correct me if I'm wrong. I think he ran point on this as far as yes, recruiting. He did. I mean, which he, he's got so much ammunition in order to get really good quarterbacks, three, four, maybe even five-star quarterbacks to come to whatever program he's at. So I think there's, it's definitely a credit to him for that. But um, but looking at this, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm more excited about this more than um, Dylan Gabriel, which is not to say that he's not good. I think he's going to be good hmm. and he's got familiarity with Jeff Levy. But seeing 
this hit, seeing his film, I'm a little more excited about him getting onto the field than than Dylan Gabriel, which I know is unfair to say because we'll get plenty of Gabriel this season. But I really like it. I think he's going to be good in this offense. Yeah, it, it looks like there's been a lot of a lot of praise on the the Jackson Arnold uh, commitment pickup. A lot of people, a couple people were mentioned that they they felt like he was the best. Uh, this past year in Texas high school football, which is a big, big thing to say, yeah. especially the way Texas football goes. So I'm pretty excited to see that Oklahoma's adding to that wide receiver room, I mean, quarterback room, and mm-hmm. they're adding to that room with competition. Now, I know that the one thing that um, – you know, Lincoln Riley was infamous for is he usually committed to a quarterback and he stuck to it. He didn't all, he, he not very often was he big on having multiple quarterbacks come in. Like I know that when he recruited Brock Evandergriff, he basically told Caleb Williams, Hey, we got Brock. We're not really going to go against it. And, you know, and Caleb's in his mindset was, no, I want to come play for you. So I'm going to pull up. And since that was the case, they ended up getting, you know, Caleb instead because Brock decided to go to Georgia. So that's pretty big deal to see that Venables, I feel like is going more of an SEC mindset. We're going to get as many great quarterbacks as we can. Hell, they they offered Arch Manning. And if Levy can pull him in like he was supposedly going to do at Ole Miss, and you got that kind of competition between them two, add in uh, Nick Evers, who's already there, and mm-hmm. then Dylan Gabriel, who will still should still be there if he doesn't go ahead and turn pro. Mm-hmm. And we don't know. Jackson Dart is still floating. We don't know what he's going to do yet. Caleb is still floating. I don't expect him to come back, but he's still floating. Mm-hmm. There's so many options, and I like when a team comes out and um and and decides that they're going to play as if play the game that the other teams are playing in their either conference or future conference, because this is more so a future piece since they're not in the SEC as of yet. So mm-hmm. I'm amped. I, I like, I like, I like him coming in. I'm pretty excited to see what more they decide to do. So from there, we still got, like I said, Jackson Dart, we're waiting on um, mm-hmm. adding him and Oklahoma has been throwing out offers all around. Like this past weekend it was a busy, busy Weekend, Oklahoma hosted five-star offensive lineman Josh Connolly Jr. He came and visited. Um, I think that's a big deal. You got to have, of course, solid O lineman, and that's not something you can really complain. Um, there's nothing better than having really good linemen. So you got to have somebody that's going to protect. <laughs> that's going to protect Jackson uh, Arnold if he does decide to uh, if if if. Josh decides to come in. Um, but no, did you get a chance to see some of the uh, the visitors that decided to pull up at Oklahoma over the weekend? No, I didn't get a chance to see that. So give me give me the rundown of, of who it was, what position they play, and yeah, some thoughts on that. Yeah. Okay, so you had uh, you had Gentry Williams out of Booker T, uh, Tulsa, um, monster of a uh, of a player. I, I, I went to a, a Booker T game and. Watched him hit the dog. He he he's gonna be special. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna be special if you can find a way to lock him up immediately. Um, you had uh, let me see. 
I had the entire list of all these Oklahoma kids and I kind of dropped it. Uh, Amon Moten, um, interior uh, defensive lineman, came mm-hmm. out of uh, Fort Lauderdale, pulled up. Of course, everybody wants him. Um, and I, I like the fact that he he got around campus, kind of liked some stuff, got some views in. You, you got to appreciate Oklahoma um, getting him to come out. And then they have one more, and I just lost. Uh, yeah, Anthony, five-star linebacker Anthony Hill pulled up. Mm-hmm. Talked about how much of an awesome weekend he had. That's a testament to the staff. Um, and my understanding is this was a unofficial visit. I mean, he paid his own way. Pulled up. He was there in June, came back to a game in the fall, and now he met Venables in person. And it was him and his dad that pulled up. So Anthony Hill, five-star linebacker, the number one linebacker on 24-7's composite out of Denton, Texas. He said Mm -hmm. said the culture stood out, and that's a big deal. You get that big boy coming there? Now, is that 22 or 23 for him? He is um, 23, if I'm correct. Okay, yeah, so if he's, in, if he's in a one-rated linebacker in that class, why yeah. did this visit have to be unofficial? Like, could they have made it official if they wanted to? Because why would you not make it official, if you can, with the number one linebacker, given that you have a defensive coach and that you know, you're going to need as many guys like that transitioning into the SEC? So I don't understand that part. I'm not saying that it's bad, but just, I don't understand that. Well, I... And this is my personal opinion. I I am not sure. I have to do a lot more research on that question, which is a great question. I believe that they they were going to probably give him an official visit in the fall Mm -hmm. instead of um, now. You know what I'm saying? Like you may Mm -hmm. as well bring him in closer to the end of the season um, when you really want him. Mm-hmm. And uh, cl- close to the, you know, closer to during the season, so you can see what the team is doing now instead of mm-hmm. pre. So okay, okay. right okay. now, there's no crystal ball, but yes, he's class 2023. Him just coming to visit because he just want to come meet the coaching staff is pretty cool. Like yeah. I mean, it's not like this that far of a drive. He's from Denton, Texas. It's not like you yeah. know that's a that's a two and a half hour, three hour drive up. You know, I 35. You know, I 35 sucks right now because it's always under <laughs> construction, but it's not right, that long right. of a drive. So. It's one of those drives that it shows that it's worth it to him, him and his dad. They want to meet the new coaching staff, and that means that Oklahoma is truly someone that they're considering. Uh-huh. You can't beat that okay. at all. And right now, some of the uh, projections uh, from Gabe Brooks on 24-7, he thinks that he's a second-round NFL draft pick, potentially. He could be a first. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's exciting. Hell yeah, you cannot beat that. You can get a guy to just pull up and say, you know what? I want to meet the new coach. I want mm-hmm. to see if I like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that tells you something. Of course, Alabama's trying to recruit this kid. And so it's funny. If you really think about it, a lot of these players, if you look at who's trying to recruit them, and that kind of tells you how good they're truly going to be. If you got Nick Saban exactly. out there sniffing exactly. around, you better go sniff around too. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly right. But shout out to um, – so the staff at Brim, uh, to, at Oklahoma, Brent Venables and Bates and and Levy, that's their third commitment from for 2023 from them. So that's really good to see that they've got uh, three guys 
truly want to commit with Jackson Arnold as well as the rest. And you'll see more Oklahoma content on the YouTube channel soon. We'll, we'll get back into the groove of things and uh, we'll make it happen. So from there, yes, sir. Jimmy. Yep. On the editing room floor. Editing room floor. We didn't make it into the show. Okay. Well, um, Carolina Panthers coach Matt Rule was looking for an offensive coordinator, Jay, with NFL experience, and that led him to former Giants head coach Ben McAdoo, ooh, which ooh. you can probably guess what uh, what the nicknames were for him when he was with the Giants. Um, so the contract details still have to be worked out. As you remember, they were, uh, during the season, they let go of Joe Brady, who was fired yeah. with five games left into the season, and the offense continued to be putrid. So um, that's a pretty odd choice, Ben McAdoo, as a new offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think it is, too. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're doing down there. So I'm just going <laughs> to say no comment. We, we, need, to, we need to ask uh, the walking strong opinion about yes. this. Yes. I'm sure he's got just that strong opinions about this. Yep. All right. Um, so, so Jay, uh, baseball, baseball at the AAA level might get really interesting this upcoming season once they get past the lockout as robot umpires at home plate who were moving up have been called up to AAA baseball for the 2022 season, which makes them one step away from actually being used in the big show in Major League Baseball. Um, so they're going to experiment with, with it at this level as they have with lower levels of minor league baseball and then see what they think from there. Oh, that's dope. I love it. I love it. Cause, I mean, because it, it would eliminate a lot of problems when it comes to how different umps have different strike zones and the problems that that causes, especially in the biggest games. I mean, I know re refereeing, umpiring, no matter what it is, it's never going to be perfect, but it could get closer to being more consistent with this type of idea. So if it doesn't make it past the AAA level, it's not going to matter anyway, but it'd be funny at the major league level to see players arguing with the robot. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, that'd right, be crazy. Uh, so next, now this is a name you might remember, a Super Bowl winning coach Brian Billick has decided to join the staff of Arizona State's coach Herm Edwards. Uh, he's going to join the staff there at Arizona State as an offensive analyst and as an advisor to head coach Herm Edwards. Uh, he last coached in 2007 with the Ravens and is actually the third head coach to join Herm Edwards' staff since he took over at Arizona State. Interesting. I'm curious to see what he's going to truly do there, but huh? Mm -hmm. I see now, Herm is still a, surviving college. I'm surprised. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I didn't think he'd last in college this long. Uh, now, as a Ravens fan yourself, what were your feelings about about Brian Billick when he was the coach of the Ravens? I liked him. He, I mean, he won the Super Bowl, <laughs> right, right. And, and he was able to do things with Trent Dilfer, which mm -hmm. I like Trent Dilfer as a mind. I didn't like him as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. So that's a big yeah. deal, right? I like it so. I mean, yeah, think about it, that defense was ridiculous, and that's what matters. They had a right, ridiculous right, right. defense, and right. Billick is a defensive guy, so. Mm -hmm. I liked him. I did like him. I, I was surprised when he retired, but the same t when he left. But I, at the same time, not too shocked. Harbaugh has been a great replacement. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens next. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got one more, but it just disgusts me to mention it. So I'll mention it. Um, we talked about the Bulls earlier. Alex Caruso was knocked out for six to eight weeks. You may have seen this on yes. a, a flagrant two foul by yours truly. One of the dirtiest of the dirty, Grayson Allen. And Grayson Allen, Jay, only got a one-game suspension for that particular slow. foul. And, you know, I think you... 
you're I, I tend to be harder on Adam Silver and the NBA when it comes to this sort of thing than you, and that's fine. But I just don't understand, especially with someone like Grayson Allen with the history, even going back to Duke, how you can cause an injury to a player on a flagrant two, which to me was intentional. I don't know if you saw the play, but it, to, it was intentional. Yeah, it was intentional, and that leads to him being out for two months, and all he gets is one game that's meaningless because he's a buck, and they're probably going to win the game anyway. I just don't understand how that's fair. I think it's they have to be able to prove the intent, and in our minds, him being a habitual line stepper, we, uh-huh. we, would, we would say it is, but it's kind of hard to say it because the league has to truly prove the intent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's really all it is. That's it. That's it. Standing room floor. Oh well, we appreciate y'all joining us as usual here on Unfair Sports. Make sure you check us out on our YouTube channel or check us out on the podcast, wherever podcasts are downloaded, listen to whichever one you're at. So while you're there, please like, subscribe, leave a comment, rate, review, and give us five stars. You think we deserve it? Meh, let's go ahead and give us five anyway. Gifted. So, for Mike, Bob, and Wendy, thank you so much for doing what you do best and assisting us as we make our comeback for my co-host, Jimmy. Uh, we'll get more content back out. I'm going to get back to the two times a week. Uh, we have videos on the YouTube channel, mainly centering around OU recruiting, as well as some of the clips and stuff from here. You see the clips on the social medias. We'll get back into the groove of things now that we're a lot more healthier than we were before. But we missed you. I'm not going to lie. Probably to get Jimmy tuned up on more of these remotes throughout the week. So y'all can hear all the greatness of what's going on in the world. But with that, we will chop it up with y'all in a few days. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details.